It is the last Sunday of Advent, which this year just so happens to be also on Christmas Eve. This doesn't happen very often for us in our liturgical calendar. We at Covenant, here at Covenant, we have been using the four Sundays and weeks of Advent to teach on themes that coincide with the lighting of our Advent candles. We have looked at themes of hope, peace, and joy. Tonight, we look at the theme of love as we light the candle of love. Oh, how we need for the candle of love to burn brightly in our lives and into our conflicted world, don't we? On that first Christmas, God came down to visit the world. This is the love story that has been coming for you since the very beginning. In this season, when we are especially prone to overconsume and to attempt to be superhuman as we try to juggle a bazillion details and things to do, it is possible for you to miss it. Tonight, I invite us to pause and to breathe deeply of the Spirit as we now stop for a moment and consider love. But first, would you pray with me? Oh God, we pray that your Spirit would break through the familiarity of this story that we too might be startled. God, give us eyes of wonder and a heart of love. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hope, peace, joy, and love. These words are used often in our culture. They do not belong simply to the domain of the church. So as we have been doing every other Sunday during Advent, let's begin by defining the word love. Love is a feeling. It is a wonderful feeling and a powerful emotion, but it is more than a feeling or emotion. Love is a choice. Choosing to love someone time and time again, it is one of the most beautiful things that we do and we live about love. Choosing to love someone. Love is hard work. In the best-selling book, Children's Letters to God, young Nan writes, Dear God, I bet it is very hard for you to love all the people in the world. There are only four people in my family and I can never do it. <laughs> Blogger Seth Adam Smith writes, More often than not, love has its sleeves rolled up, dirt and grime smeared on its arms and sweat dripping down its forehead. Love is hard work. Between human beings, love is a relational word. Yes, you can love things that do not love you back, like the sky or a sunset or a good book or a piece of chocolate cake. But the love of other people, it is directional. There is a lover and a beloved. You don't, don't just love, you love at someone. Love is the foundation for all of our relationships, which is what we are going to spend time devoting ourselves to looking at as a congregation in the new year with our sermon series, Love Is. A group of four to eight-year-old kids were posed this question from a group of professionals. The question is, what does love mean? 
The answers that came back to those professionals were deeper and broader than expected. Six-year-old Chrissy says, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making, give, making them give you any of theirs. Seven-year-old Danny replies, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. Four-year-old Marianne says, love is when your puppy licks your face even after you've left him alone all day. And eight-year-old Rebecca shares, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend down and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time even when his hands got arthritis too. While it may be hard to define love, it is easy to recognize it by the way it acts. Love sacrificially seeks the good of others. And as those four to eight-year-olds so rightly understood, we demonstrate our love for one another in tangible ways, for love is in action. We discover that at Christmas. Tonight we hear, we, we read just a portion of Luke 2, reading from chapters 1 and 2, the birth story in the Gospel of Luke. We hear the story of Jesus' birth from Luke's Gospel. When describing the events of Jesus' birth, Luke doesn't give us a whole lot of details. He is much more interested in human response and human transformation. He is always paying attention to how people respond to the birth of Jesus. Shepherds were initially afraid and later transformed. The people were amazed at what the shepherds told them. If you read in Matthew's gospel, you will read about Joseph and how he responded in a loving way, how he steps up and does the right thing. Luke, however, focuses much more on Mary. And Luke tells us that Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. I'd like to invite us for a few moments to look at the birth of Jesus from Mary's perspective, to try to put ourselves in Mary's shoes. I know this is really hard for us to do. But she is a very real person who has received startling news. Mary is perplexed to hear God favors her. She is an ordinary girl living an ordinary life. She's not from a glamorous place or a prominent family. She's a country girl from the region of Galilee, a female living in a time when society views women as second-class citizens. She does have dreams of what her life might look like after she marries Joseph, when she becomes a carpenter's wife, and if she is already beginning to have dreams of being a mom, she would be dreaming that any of her sons would follow in her dad, their dad's footsteps and be carpenters as well. That's just what happened. Why in the world would God do anything special in her life? And what does it even mean that she is favored? To be clear, being favored does not mean that Mary is God's favorite. At the heart of this world, favored is the idea of grace. Basically, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, God is going to do a favor for you. It is in God's nature to bestow blessing. You, Mary, are going to be the recipient of a blessing or a benefit. It is all a word of grace. 
But wow, this is how God does a favor. Congratulations, young, unwed, pregnant, uh, teenager, girl, you whose life may now be in danger, you are gonna have a baby. This does not sound like good news and it sure doesn't seem like a favor. But sometimes good news comes to us dressed as hard or difficult news. We've all had this happen. Think about your own life. Where are those times and situations when things didn't turn out the way you had hoped, only in time to take a turn for the better? I think of my friend Steve, who was unexpectedly fired from his job, a devastating time and soul-searching time of unemployment for him when he had a young newborn at home, yet it propelled him to courageously launch a dream he had always had to open a real estate, commercial real estate company. He now loves to go to work every day. I think of my sister whose inability to have a second child in years of infertility devastated her. Yet ultimately that brought her to one of the greatest gifts she will ever know, my niece Erin adopted from an orphanage in China. I think of Whitney, whose heart was broken by the one she thought she'd marry her college boyfriend, only to find out in time that the friend who walked with her during that most difficult time would be the one she would eventually marry. Miraculous, miraculously, Mary trusts herself into the guiding hand of God, believing that the guiding hand of God was at work. She reflects the proper response of anyone who has been called by God with no credentials other than availability and a responsive heart. With the gift of hindsight, we often can see more clearly God carrying out his will and how we are a part of a much bigger story. However, at this moment, Mary has no idea how it will all end. She has no idea that she will give birth to a son who one day as she looks on from afar at the foot of a Roman cross will break her heart and save her soul as well as the soul of the whole world. All she knows right now is that somehow God is in the midst of that, of it and that is enough for her to say, here I am, servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. It is a remarkable declaration of trust. Can we say the same? Author Ann Voskamp writes, Mary nods to you in the last days of Advent. Only one thing is necessary to be a space for love to come. There is no need to produce or perform or perfect, simply become a place for God. You simply have to receive love. Let yourself be loved. The greatest gift is not your gifts, but your surrendered yes to be a space for God. God comes into the fullness of his love into the willing space. Do you understand how loved you are by God? How you are God's beloved? Friends, if you only hear one thing tonight, I hope it is this, that you are loved. 
And there is absolutely nothing that you can do to make God love you less. Nothing in the past or present, no sin or mistake will cause God to love you any less. The truth is that God loves you with what Hannah Hernard calls a passionate, absorbed interest. God cannot help seeing you through eyes of love. God's love is constant, unconditional, and forever. Love is our identity and our calling, for we are children of God, created from love, of love, for love. Encourage you to check out our final Advent devotional. Some of you have hard copies of this. You can find it available online as well. Tomorrow morning, we will be pointed, or tomorrow, whenever you might read it, we are pointed to the idea of becoming reservoirs. And there on December 25th, in our Advent devotional, on Covenant's website as well, just put slash Advent 2017. You'll see a wonderful quote from the 12th century, a long ago quote from a French abbot, Bernard of Clairvaux. And the phrase is this, they love more who realize they are loved. They love more who realize they are loved. Our capacity to love originates from our being loved by God. Divine love changes us. It transforms us as we give it away to others. It's a beautiful principle of love. It changes us and it transforms. Once during my college days, when it was approaching time for me to return to school, my dad and I got in a very significant fight. I have no memory about the content, the context of the disagreement. I am sure it was all my dad's fault. <laughs> However, when it was time to leave, we didn't say goodbye to one another. There was no eye contact, no well wishes, no hugs. Now this was back in the 80s, so pre-email, pre-cell phone. So when I pulled away from my parents' driveway, I was pretty much saying goodbye and separated from them for several months until the last time when I would be home from break. It was a sad goodbye, but I returned to college life, appearing healthy and happy, but deep down hurting and not right because of an unreconciled relationship with my father. This went on for several weeks until one day, unbeknownst to me, my dad said a quick goodbye to my mom, gassed up the car, and drove nine hours to find me. Not knowing how I would receive him, he humbled himself and came near. There he was in the flesh in front of me, desiring relationship, pursuing peace, embodying love, piercing the darkness between us. We were reconciled because of a tenacious father's love for a stubborn daughter. Friends, motivated by a fierce love for all creation, God became flesh and moved into our neighborhood, humbling himself,
taking the initiative because of his desire for relationship with those he loves. The great good news is that love came down to find us and that love is a person. You have heard this story countless times before. Can you grasp the wonder of it tonight? Pondering the miracle, we are claiming that God moved into the neighborhood. Pondering that, if you really ponder it, you will treasure it because it is the greatest news you will ever hear. Not because of anything we did to earn or deserve it. It is all a work of grace. These candles that we have been lighting They are a declaration and they are an invitation. A declaration because we can have hope, peace, joy, and love because of Emmanuel, God with us. And they are also an invitation because there is something for us to do as we participate with God, as we are co-laborers with God in the work of making all things new. As you ponder that, as you sit with that, I wonder this night, who comes to mind for you that you know that you need to move toward and to embody love, to make space for them and to share the light of Christ. We light the Christ candle this night with great joy and celebration because Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem and he will come again one day in glory. In the land of deep darkness, light shines. The light is named A child will be born who changes everything. Our task is but to receive. Friends, Christ came into the world for you and you came into the world for him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Would you pray with me? Oh, holy God, we praise you and adore you. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, we are simply overwhelmed by your love. May love so pure change our lives. God, we pray to become a willing space for love to come. That you will come and make your home with us. And God, I especially pray this night, if there was anyone here tonight who absolutely does not see that there is anything in them that is worth loving, Lord, how I pray that you will whisper to them words of your belovedness, words of their belovedness. God, we praise you. And we love you and we celebrate the birth of Jesus this night. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.